Hello and welcome to Secret Cities, brought to you by TouristC.com. I'm James and today we have the pleasure of chatting to Stefan and Sebastian from the fantastic travel blog, nomadicboys.com. So yeah. say hello boys. Hello! <laughs> nice to meet you both. Um, we love your blog actually, it's fantastic. Thank you very much. Thanks. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you ended up in Asia? Okay, uh, hello everyone. My name is Stefan. Cool. I'm um, 33 years old from London. I used to be a lawyer, and then I, with, I've been with him for about <laughs> almost seven years. And we, for your we, sins, right? For my, for my very good sins. <laughs> and in, in, in June 2014, um, we quit our lives and jobs in London to eat our way around Asia. Cool. And with the dream of making long-term travelling a lifestyle and career choice. And you are... So I'm Sebastian, uh, originally French. Uh, from um, a small town near Lyon. Um, so I moved to London nine years ago and um, uh, I was working in finance as a business analyst. Um, wasn't really happy with my job and I've always wanted to travel. Um, so that's, um, when I met Stefan, that's something we discussed very early on and uh, literally uh, prepared for that big, big trip. Yes, yeah. Um, and you've been in Asia for how how long? So we, we were in Asia for seventeen months. Okay, yeah. And you're just back now, aren't you, to visit Correct. your family? Is that right? For Christmas, yeah. that's right. Mm. And we we're loving the cold. Weather. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it must be a bit of a shock to your systems after having that tropical yeah. tropical sunshine. Absolutely. <laughs> So um, you visited Asia through the Trans-Siberian Railway. Um, it looks absolutely yeah. amazing. Is this something you. you both really wanted to do? Yes, especially Sebastian. <laughs> really, yeah. <laughs> it was my dream. It was really. my dream to do the Trans-Siberian Railway. Yeah. Uh, it was, I've always watched documentaries about it and, and loved the idea, because I love train travel. It's such a romantic way to travel. Yes. Um, so the Trans-Siberian was the ultimate train journey. Um, Seb was less keen on it. Yeah, I, my, my dream was more to start traveling by taking a flight and, <laughs> and start, you know, on a remote island with sun and the beach and snorkeling. So it wasn't exactly that, um, sure. but it was a great experience. And um, uh, although it wasn't the first, the first thing I wanted to do on my uh, on my trip list, the Trans Siberian was uh, it was amazing. But interestingly, the Trans Siberian was full of French people. Really? All yeah, Yola, it's all like only French people go on the Trans-Siberian. Oh, interesting. They get everywhere, right? <laughs> yeah, I think train is in our blood. That's why it's in our yeah. genes. Um, Not your genes. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um, so, I mean, do you have any top tips for surviving the journey? Because it can look pretty hairy from what I've seen. Yeah, we did the first trip. Overnight trip from St. Petersburg to Moscow. That's not technically part of the Trans-Siberian journey, but it's our first taster of it. And we saw this old couple who came prepared with their uh, canned soup, their little plastic boxes of camping gear, and there's a hot water um, dispenser. And we just came with a few bits of fruit and a bit of bread. We didn't really plan for coffee. So then we thought in in Moscow, ah, we can actually make a a, a bit of a... um, a meal of this, I guess the way to put it is we went shopping and we got some plastic bowls and plastic cups and a cup of soups and a coffee. And um, we always tried to eat healthy. So we always stocked up on fruit and, and tried to come with boiled eggs as a protein source right, to eat. Because okay. otherwise you end up eating that, that instant crap, the instant yeah, noodles. So I love the stodge, yeah. Yeah. You must find that difficult actually trying to keep fit, you know, during traveling. Do you find that a bit of a challenge? 
we're two, so we can encourage each other. Yes, yeah. We try to maintain. Yeah. We try to maintain a daily um, body weight exercise of, of circuits, or if we can find a local gym. Yeah, yeah. Well, exercising with Stefan, it's like um, it's like going to a boot camp every day. <laughs> it can be quite. Um, we love it. It can be <laughs> exhausting. Does he try to keep you in check a bit? Right. Yeah. <laughs> How long were you on the Trans Siberian Railway for? We spread it out over a month. So okay. back to back, um, if you go Moscow to Vladivostok or Moscow to yeah. um, Transmongolian to Ulaanbaatar or Beijing, it would take about two weeks but or, or okay. just yeah. under two weeks. But we, we split it up over a month. Okay. It's actually, yeah, it's actually a good way to survive the Trans-Siberian, cutting yeah. the journey. Because for those who are, you know, scared of spending seven days on a train, and I was, yeah. um, cutting the journey is, um, is, is, is good. Yeah. And also, um, vodka works quite well. <laughs> it helps. You're, you're not allowed vodka yeah. on the train. Oh, yes, really? You you're not allowed vodka on yeah, the train. Yeah, but <laughs> they, they will sell it to you if you ask kindly. Oh, okay, right. <laughs> oh, so is that a rule that no alcohol on the train? Is that right? It's a recent rule, yeah. Oh, oh, and, uh, but the, the provodnitsas are the old ladies who look after each carrot. They're fierce, fierce old ladies. <laughs> I bet, yeah. Who, you do something wrong, they'll be after you. Um, and... And if, if they see you, they'll, they'll, they'll tell you off. You don't want to be told off by Provonitsa. But she, can, she has her secret stash to sell to you. Okay. They get around it with their little... <laughs> so you have to charm them, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, and so it changes, doesn't it? Um, when you get... <clears throat> when does it change into the, sort of the Chinese carriages or the Chinese system, isn't it? Well, what we did was go from Russia to Irkutsk for Lake Baikal and yeah. then cross the border into um, Mongolia. We spent a month in Mongolia. Mm. And then the last leg of it was Ulaanbaatar, Mongolia to Beijing, China. Okay. Yeah. And at the border between um, Mongolia and China, the Chinese built their trains so that they're smaller. The wheels are smaller. So they sure. literally have to change the wheels and the bogies of each carriage. Wow, gosh. Quite, quite fascinating to watch yeah, the change. Yeah, Interesting. So can you buy one ticket and get on and off as you wish? No, no. You have to buy. You have to buy tickets for one segment to the. To, so you okay. buy your Moscow to your Katerinburg ticket, and then you buy your Katerinburg to Irkutsk ticket. Or I think you can buy a. You did this, but the Moscow to Vladivostok ticket. You looked into doing that, but I think well, uh, Moscow to Vladivostok is easy because it's all Russia. If you if you're looking to do that part of the Trans Siberian, which is the the classic route to go to Vladivostok, it's only one country, so you can get the whole ticket. But you can't do stopovers. That's no. an extra. But it, okay. but even to buy up to Beijing, um, it's not so easy because the uh, you, you can't just buy the ticket with uh, in in Russia to Beijing. You mm. will buy it to probably to Ulan Ude, which is just before Mongolia, um, the border the border town between Russia and Mongolia. And then in Mongolia you get you buy another ticket. But the best thing to do, I that's what that's how we that's what we found because we researched a lot about buying tickets. A lot of agencies we sell tickets at a premium price and they will take a lot a high commission. Sure. Um, so the best thing is to just buy unless you go in a very busy period like June, July, August. Um, just buy it in Russia and you will pay a third of the price of what you will see online if you buy it in Russia and then in Mongolia when you get there and then buy it to uh, okay. China. So buy as you go, that's your advice with that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So can you share with us where you have travelled so far? So we started with the Trans-Siberian. Together, this is yeah. the, under the Nomadic Boys heading. We've been sure. around a lot together before, but under the, under as Nomadic Boys, we started with yeah. Trans-Siberian okay. to um, then worked our way through Mongolia, China, and then into uh, South Asia. So we started with Nepal, 
India, mm. uh, Sri Lanka, and Maldives. Yeah. And then, and then we did the the Southeast Asia segment of our trip, which okay. we, we started in Thailand. Yeah. And then uh, did the, the, the classic Laos, Cambodia, Vietnam, Myanmar circle. Yeah. Uh, then the Philippines, okay. uh, then Malaysia, and we finished in Indonesia, and then back to Bangkok for a month for uh, the Tibex conference, okay. bloggers, and then back in London. So why did you feel compelled to blog about your experiences? Why did you want to do that? Well, we, we started it as a test run for trips we made to Thailand and Japan years ago. Okay. And um, what we found was you, but when you have to write about something, you get more involved with what you're seeing, what you're eating, what you're doing, you question it more, and you learn more about it. And then you have to record it. You have to write it down. You have you you, you have that record memory that you can go back to. Um, it also makes you more. It fine tunes your photographs. Mm. You realize, oh, actually, I want to put that out. That's going to be slightly public, isn't it? Well, it's is going to be public. So I'm going to take. You make more effort with it. You um, edit out crap. Um, it, it just forces you to be more professional, I guess, with your photography. Uh, and then you look back on it and you think, ah, that's my memory. That's my diary. That's my um, mm. uh, 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 memory, essentially, of that time. And that was satisfying. We yeah. thought if we can replicate that, that'd be brilliant. But that, that was the reason why we started it, to yeah. gather memories <clears throat> for us, first of all, and then for family and friends. It wasn't meant to be, you know, to for anyone. I mean, it became like this, but initially it was. And I think most blogs start like this. You sure. know, they so you did it for yourself as a way to sort of record your memories, really? Yeah. 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 And it's grown, has it? Um, does it just grow organically? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. It's grown um, a lot in the gay community. Yes. Um, a lot of our traffic is pretty much men of a particular age, 25 to 50. Mm. Um, from Gay men. I mean, it's... Um, it started... We started to have a following when we... Um, started writing about our experiences of the gay scene or the, the gay life in the countries we were visiting, and we saw that it was attracting a lot, of, attracting a lot of people and attention. Yeah. And then that's when we started to focus more on that in that angle. Um, I mean, we, we we were blogging about many things, food and adventure, but mm. the, the the gay angle and the gay guides and and the the, the interviews we we tried to have with locals that that's what um, attracts. The, the the crowds mm. sure well that's it i mean we really enjoyed um reading your gay voices series thank you um, yeah Thanks. it was really insightful can you tell us a little bit about that um your experiences of doing that this started because um <clears throat> I, I take the credit for this actually because <laughs> when i went traveling alone when i went traveling alone um i went to south america 10 years ago and yeah. i found i made a lot of um friends through the gay community and when you make local friends you see the country differently you're taken to places you wouldn't normally go you learn more about what you're eating you just get a better insight to it and also they've got an interesting story usually to Mm. tell because it's not um certain countries are not as developed with their gay rights as um, we are here in, in in western europe and so we thought we wanted to replicate that in Asia, um, meet locals, uh, especially gay locals, because it's easier to meet, it's easier to connect when you're, <clears throat> you're, um, you're, you're gay. It's just a, a fact. Mm. We were in Yekaterinburg. Um, we had friends in Russia already that we knew, but it, our friend in Yekaterinburg said to us, why are you not on Grindr? I, sure. I was looking in my Grindr and you're not there. And we said, well, we're not, uh, we're not in an open relationship. We're not looking for sex with other people, so we've just not needed it, because in London that's what Grindr is for. And he said, no, 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 here... 
um, in Yekaterinburg. There's no gay scene. There's no bars. There's no clubs. So Grinder is essentially our extension of the gay scene. Yeah. We use that to connect with each other. It's not for sex. Well, it, can, it is for sex, but it's not just for that. You should get, he said to us, you should get a Grinder profile if you're going to travel in such countries where there is no gay scene. Mm. So we did, um, and we started meeting a lot of locals uh, through Grinder and and being um, uh, foreigners, as in we speak English, we're from that part of the world. Mm. For them, um, we're seen as exotic. Sure. They, they all want to meet you because they all want to learn English. They all want to practice their English skills, and it's exotic to have a foreign friend. So it's very easy to meet local friends through Grinder, mm. and um, we found their story in particular in countries like Malaysia, Indonesia, in Mongolia, where there are no laws yet for gays. It's very interesting to see how they've grown up and developed in that community. Mm. And you're a lawyer yourself, aren't you? Um, or yeah. you trained as a lawyer. So you must find that yeah. really interesting to see the sort of, you know, anti-gay laws that are in place in many Absolutely. Parts of the world. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and ironically, they're all hangovers from the British colonial yes. days. Which is crazy, just, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So you visited, you know, many um, fantastic places in Southeast Asia. Can you um, tell us where you found to have the best gay scene? Best gay scene was yeah. um, it, Bangkok. Really, yeah. Um, it, and also we should be saying... Phnom Penh as well, Cambodia. And Phnom Penh actually surprised us. Really? You wouldn't have thought, yeah. you wouldn't have thought Cambodia. No one mm-hmm. talks about Phnom Penh or Cambodia. But that had a huge, not huge, but it was a buzzy gay scene and lots of bars were considering such a small town. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, must, it's, it's changing um, very quickly. And, okay. and um, it's, it's they're the building... Um, uh, hotels and tourism is increasing uh, yeah. um, every year, um, and and the gay scene is is quite um, predominant. Mm, uh, really, they have yeah. like five gay bars. They have a wow. club, mm. um, and they're all in the same area. So they, there's a lot of potential there, and, and it's a lot of fun. But we didn't go to Taipei, which oh, is yeah. got, which has got um, Taiwan has got a, a, a massive scene. We you wouldn't have thought this, but mm. Taipei has the biggest gay pride in Asia. Oh, we we just missed that annoyingly, oh, but. That's one that is also apparently a buzzy gay scene, big buzzy gay scene. Mm-hmm. Why do you think some certain areas are, you know, more open to gays than others? These countries, they've been uh, open to tourism for a while, and they've, yeah. they've seen a lot Which of uh, countries. I mean, like Thailand, mm-hmm. Cambodia. Cambodia maybe a bit less, but it's still, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's still quite up there. And it's just mm-hmm. a lot of uh, tourists every year, and probably, and, and and the people that most of the businesses that have been open, the gay businesses. Is uh, see a lot of Westerners, and for most of them, they're owned by Westerners. Right. Because I mean, Thailand is is open, but I think I think you can go in some parts of Thailand where it's still taboo, and they don't even talk about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know that lady boys are, are mm. really well accepted. Yeah. I, I think across Southeast Asia, mm-hmm. but homosexuality homosexuality in itself is a, is a bit of a different topic, and people don't talk about it. But for tourists, it's okay. Yeah, it's okay, accepted. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is that because they perhaps want the income? Do you yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. But also, it's not. It's not my family. You know, it's, if, if sure. it's my son, mm. then that's terrible. But it's someone else's, so it's not as yeah. bad. Oh, as and, a foreigner, they, as a Westerner, yeah, it's okay, yeah. right? But it does have that a mentality. positive impact. I think because they see a lot of gay men coming, yeah, sure. whether they're Westerners <clears> or not. They, they they see them and they. They know them and they realize they're not so different from anyone else, sure. and then probably that's that's changing things on yes, a social level. I bet. So gay tourism, yeah, can be quite helpful, right? I think so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Are there any cities that didn't live up to their hype that you visited? Malay. 
Yeah, but um, Malusi, capital of Maldives, which yeah. was our first taste oh. of a Muslim country. Yes, but Muslim is in Sharia law is in place, and sure. um, Grinder just had pictures of topless men because it was. Uh, um, but why do you not say that council? I don't think so. I was <clears throat> I was um, actually surprised by most of the countries we visited, mm. and and I mean if if you think about countries like Malaysia, Indonesia that are predominantly Muslim countries, yeah. you would think, I mean, as a Westerner, you, you, you don't think that they, you can, as a gay man, you, as a gay man, you can go there mm. or uh, that there is any gay scene, but actually there is quite a freezing gay scene. It's not, mm. the people are not obviously out and yeah. to their family and friends, but um, there are a lot of gay men who um, go out together. There are mm. some places that you can go to um, and, and, you know, you'd think when you when you plan your trips, you think I'm not going to go to um, a country that doesn't support gay rights. Or, but actually, going there and seeing them for you, seeing it for yourself, you can see that um, there is something. Mm. And also, I think it helps as a gay man to go to these countries because, as I was saying to you, I, I do think that the more you see gay tourists, the the, the locals will see gay tourists, the more they will probably slowly open to it. Yes, and it will, it might change things mm. on the long term. You mentioned in your blog that you found the Philippines to be particularly gay-friendly. Um, I mean, do you think there's a particular reason for this? I know we touched um, on this earlier. So let's complement that because if you speak to our friends, there's a mix of opinions. Some are like, no, it's not. But the, more, the ones who are from America actually would say, no, it's not. It's backward. It's backward. But <laughs> yeah. if you're, they're comparing it to the States where there's, sure. it's gone a different direction. Mm. In Asia, you've got to take it as um, an example. Within Asia, it's it, it, it's more progressive for gay rights it's mm. obviously not up there but it's still open and mm. i think it comes down to the people yeah right? okay the filipinos mm. they are they're generally more hospitable warm people they're well known for that the filipino hospitality is a well-known okay. uh, phrase batted around and i think it comes down to that um willingness by filipinos to accept mm. people and welcome mm. people what yeah. about the american governments <clears throat> do you think that's got something to do with that what do you think? Well, I don't, I don't know. If there's a strong Catholic influence, yes, obviously, yes, because religion is quite big. So you would yeah. think that because of that, um, because of the Catholicism, it's it's uh, it's, it's not um, accepted, mm. um, and and probably and it is in, in some, some parts places, of Philippines, yeah. yeah, or most parts of Philippines, it is not accepted. But it's it's more like as Stefan was saying earlier, if it's my my son or someone in my family, then. Sure. You know, I, I don't want this. Uh, but if it's a friend, then somehow people are okay with it. Mm. We met so many uh, women, you know, Filipino women and, and straight straight men, and they just don't care. They don't care, but, yeah, family is different. Yeah. So, but I don't know, American influence, it wasn't... They, they weren't there for you long, see a lot so. of American influence there, of course. I was going to say, do you? Yeah. Is it quite averse? Yeah. Um, things like... What struck me with just the, the the fast food culture, really, yeah, yeah. the the um, a lot of fried fried stuff <laughs> and the, the fried um, paper bags in a supermarket. You don't get plastic. I don't, this yeah. might be ice cream sandwich as well. It's ice cream sandwich. <laughs> yeah, they have some. Yeah, they they kept some um, American influence there. Sure. Yeah. And so, I saw something which I th- I was <sighs> they don't have the thirteenth floor in a lift, and I thought, oh, yes. that's an American. And then my friends in Europe said, no, we don't have that either. So. No. <laughs> That's just a Christian. Thing. So, what about um, Ulaanbaatar, Mongolia, and Kathmandu, Nepal? These are places that you would not usually expect to find a gay scene. 
Um, but you managed to find something. Can you tell us um, how you found these remote places as a gay as gay? So Zorig, we found Zorig is the chap who owns the only gay bar in Mongolia. Right. And I think we just found um, Google searched that we found the bar existed. It was then called Hanzo, and then we um, tried to find it. We couldn't find it, and then we we communicated over Facebook. Mm. And we started, um, he helped us find it. And then we went there and we met him and he told us our sto- his story. It was a very interesting story, actually. And then um, we just became good friends on Facebook. Mm. Uh, his story was more that he, he was the only gay bar in Mongolia. They've tried before, but they yeah. failed because the community, obviously, there's problems with the police or the commu- local community accepting them. The landlord has issue and tries to check them out. But more more interesting was that he struggled at the beginning to get the local gays to come right. because they didn't want scared. to, they were too scared basically yeah. Um, yeah. To, yeah. To, to go there in, in this you know, place of debauchery, gay, you know, what yeah. if someone sees me? It's that thinking. Um, but he managed okay. to develop you know, a business. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And was it quite thriving? Was it busy when you went there? Um, on the Saturday we went, yeah. it was very busy. On the, the like weekday. like any yeah. any bar, if you go on a weekday, it's you know a couple of old men in the corner drinking <laughs> sipping beer. Sure. Uh, and if you go on a Friday Saturday, it's buzzy. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean it wasn't. I mean we we saw we discovered it as a gay bar, but he he Zori didn't like calling it a gay bar, and it yeah. was more open for anyone to come. Yeah. And okay. probably that's why that bar uh, was there for so long. Is is mm. because. Um, it's not labelled as a gay bar. Right, OK. Um, and would there be problems for him if he um, did sort of market it as a gay bar? Um, I don't think... Mongo- I, where we saw that was in Laos. Okay, the, right. um, and obviously in, in the Muslim countries, in Malaysia and, and um, uh, Indonesia, we didn't see the... Mainland. But there you can't have a rainbow flag because it, the mm. police will come along and they see it as a licence to get a bribe. They'll, they'll use it as an excuse to get a bribe. Right, OK. Um, in Mongolia, the police they, they knew that it was, you know, one of those bars. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But they were more concerned about, or well, they'd use the angle of um, prostitution. Sure. Oh, you're attracting prostitutes, these ladyboys here. They're, tra- they're trying to be prostitutes. And it was, I think he, he was telling me that it was more that was the issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, can he put a rainbow flag? I don't remember he did have one. No, he didn't. Uh, I, think, I don't think that was because of the law. I think that was just him being, doing that deliberately because he didn't want to be too... Um, niche, or he didn't want to scare away those local gays who were having problems coming out. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, Gosh. right. And how about Kathmandu? What um, what did you find there? Kathmandu ha- doesn't have... Um, yeah. Nepal is actually on paper um, a gay-friendly country because they've just had their new legis- legislation. They've put lots of gay rights in there. And it's one of the... It's accepted in quite a lot of South Asian countries. Pakistan and Bangladesh do this as well. Mm. You go there on the landing card. You have the choice of ticking male, female, or other, okay. which um, we, we thought was quite progressive. Yeah. Because there's an acceptance of transgender within that um, the, the the religion, mm. but it's predominantly Hindu, mm. very traditional Hindu, where man marries woman, man is to have children, and the the idea of man with man, it's it's anathema to them. Mm. Man, men hold hands walking down the street in India and Nepal as friends. So when we arrived, we thought, oh, my God, it's gay pride here. But, sure, yeah. <laughs> but we, we met some friends there, again, through Grinder, mm. and we went to a, a bar which had a gay-friendly night. Mm. Um, so there's, there's bars hosting their one-off events. Okay. But in yeah. terms of a scene, it, was no, yeah, it wasn't really yeah, it wasn't a thriving one. Yeah. What has been the ultimate highlight of your journey so far? What really stands out for you? 
to be Nepal, yeah. Nepal, really, yeah. Nepal and Mongolia for <clears throat> for scenery. Really, yeah. Yeah, uh, I think for beaches um, and the underwater life is the Philippines and Indonesia. Yeah. yeah. And food, I think Sri Lanka. Yeah, Sri Lanka has one of the best foods. Really, and it's yeah. healthy food. Oh, excellent. Um, and and yeah, the curries are amazing. Cool. Uh, it's good food. Um, um, they make a fr- they make a curry out of a jackfruit, or they'll get a pineapple oh. and they make a pineapple curry. It's yeah, delicious. nice. So you found a lot of um, vegetarian and vegetable based curries rather than like you know the greasy sort of meaty curries in Sri Lanka, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Finally, do you have any plans for continuing your travels after Southeast Asia, or will you be returning to London and reality? We um, do plan to go to Latin America in 2016. Mm. Uh, the, 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 the dream, the ideal is to cover the Americas continent in 2016, going into 2017, starting with the south, working our way to the north with a road trip in the north. Mm. Um, that's the dream. Uh, mm. Something let's make it happen. Yeah, let's, let's make it happen. Something, something I've always wanted to do is actually a road trip, in road trip in uh, uh, North America. Fantastic. South to the north. Mm. And I would Love to do that, but what I want, James, you see, if you notice my hand, there's no ring. You see, you see oh, there's yeah. no ring there, Sebi. Um, so I don't know, some sort of honeymoon in in Antarctica and Antarctica. Oh, that'd be amazing! Would be, right? would be a nice, uh, yeah, dream. We're, we're gonna need some funding. Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> yeah, need some funding for that, right? <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so I mean, it's been fantastic to speak to you both. It's really interesting to hear your insights on Southeast Asia and what you're going to be doing in the future. So, Stefan and Sebastian, where can we find you guys? (laughs) Well, it's very easy. You can find us on www.nomadicboys.com. Okay, right. And what about social media? Where can we find you there? You can find us on Facebook yep. and Twitter and Instagram and Pinterest. Nomadic Boys. Nomadic Boys. Okay, just yeah. Nomadic Boys. Excellent. Yeah. Thank you so much. And we really look forward to seeing what you get up to next. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank, Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Bye. 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 Bye.